Morning, right, Romans 6, let's go. Um, my name's Steve, for those that, uh, that don't know me. We are um, continuing our series uh, through, the book of, uh, through the book of Romans, and this morning we find ourselves in chapter 6. Um, if you may have heard of a, uh, a preacher about ooh, 50, 60 years ago, mid 20th, uh, 20th century, Martin Lloyd-Jones preached in Westminster in London, and I think he spent about three years preaching on a Friday evening through the book of Romans, and on this particular chapter, I, uh, I looked it up, he preached 18 sermons from this chapter. I've got one, okay? I've got like 20, 30 minutes, he had 18 sermons, okay? So there's a lot in the book of Romans, there's a lot in this chapter, um, but uh, I trust that, and, uh, that I shall have pulled together something fairly succinct for us uh, this morning. Um, in this book, to catch you up on this series, if you've missed a few weeks or uh, if you're, you're visiting and so on, um, Paul is writing to, the Apostle Paul is writing to this church in Rome, and uh, it, throughout the book of Romans, there's a real rich foundational uh, truth and laying down of the gospel truths, the gospel that Christ died for us, rose again to life, some real foundational truth that he's un- unpacking uh, in detail that he doesn't really unpack anywhere else in, uh, in Scripture. And uh, uh, one of the points he's making is how if you've met Jesus, that he changes your life, that everything about your life is to be different. And the starting point of this particular thread of thought, because some of the things Paul writes, uh, they're hard to understand. Um, and this particular thread of thought starts in the previous chapter, in chapter 5, in, uh, in verse 12, that, um, that our Paul, uh, not Apostle Paul, preached on uh, last week, and uh, preached about how sin entered the world through the one man, Adam, back in the garden, back in Genesis 3, how that, therefore, in light of that, all of our uh, humankind's nature and our motives and our actions are skewed and tainted because of that, what happened back in Genesis 3, and then he goes on. Uh, at the end of chapter 5, to talk about how through Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf and raising to life again, the good news, the gospel, that we, have, have, we get to rec- we receive it, we don't achieve it. Yeah? We receive new life, forgiveness, mercy, adoption. We receive those things freely given, received, not achieved. And uh, in verse 20, uh, the end of the verse, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So, so none of us are beyond mercy, grace. None of us are beyond the reach of the gospel. No matter how, uh, what you've done in your background, in your past, in your history, no matter what you've done, none of us are out of reach of the gospel. Yeah, where sin, sin abounded, grace increased all the more. And then we pick up in chapter 6, and uh, I suppose you can almost imagine Paul hearing some bright spark say, well, if, if, if that's the case, if, there's, if, sin incre- sorry, if grace increases where sin increases, then, then just why don't I go on sinning? Because grace is good, so why don't I keep sinning to receive more grace? You can kind of hear some bright spark uh, saying that, and I suppose there's some logic to it. So let's pick it up in verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? There's a logic to it, isn't it? But there's a, there's a cheap version of grace there. We, we, anyone who says that has completely misunderstood the gospel. Verse 2. By no means, Paul writes, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? So Paul is saying we're not to go on sinning. He wants to dispel, to refute this uh, notion right at the outset. How can we possibly, we've died to that, how can we possibly go on sinning? Verse 3, 
Don't you know that all of us who were baptised into Christ were baptised into his death? Baptism there, uh, it's a a shorthand way in this case of of Paul talking about the whole conversion experience. Uh, So he's talking about, you know, those who who put their their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ, committed to Christ. It's a slight side note. It's interesting he uses baptised as a phrase like that to incorporate that. So closely is believe and be baptised that he uses it like that. So, side note, if you've not been baptised, look how closely the Bible teaches about believe and be baptised, just a natural step. You're committed to somebody, you follow through, you, you do what they want. So, anyway, uh, verse 4. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Verse 5. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin now. If we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Do you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from the heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You've been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I'm using an example of everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness, What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thanks for bearing with me. That was a long, long passage and a complicated thread of thread that uh, Paul is trying to Uh, communicate there, and I'm just going to dive into a few things for us this morning, uh, particularly around the theme of slavery. Now, um, when uh, when I told Natalie last night I was preaching on slavery, oh great, that'll be interesting, Um, but ignore the the thoughts of slavery that immediately jump to your minds. We're talking about spiritual slavery here, and I want to get to it. And um, In verse 6, right back at the beginning of this chapter, Paul writes, we were slaves to sin. And uh, if I say to you that, that you know, we're, we're all slaves, immediately I think you, you recoil because we don't like the idea of slavery. 
You know, we like to think that we're in control, that we're, we're masters of our own destiny, don't we? That we're our own person. But it's an illusion. It's an illusion. Okay? The, in the, uh, and let me show you how. The first commandment uh, says, you shall have no other gods before me, right? And it's not, there's, there's a very much a binary option there. It's not as though, if, if you're going to have a god, make sure it's me. It's no, no. It, it, the, the, the assumption is you're going to have a god, now make sure it's, it's him. You're going to have something in your life that is a god, now make sure it's him. You're, there's no such thing as a person who doesn't have a, 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 a god in their heart. Maybe lowercase g, you know, not a, a spiritual god or something, but, but you're going to worship something, make sure it's the Lord. We all have things, don't we, that we have to have, that we just can't do without, some sort of over-desire so that we, we absolutely can't do without, don't we? We all have something, a main way in our lives that we find significance, that we find security, that we find value. Everyone does. Everyone has these things. And you can, you can spot them, can't you, in our lives? You can spot them. Because when they're threatened, when, they, when these things are threatened, you might be, you become, they affect you in a, in a way that's just, uh, it's so, so powerful, so, so enormous. They, they might make you super anxious when these, when these things that we, we build up as being so important to us, when they're threatened, when, they're, when our security, when our, our, our meaning, when those things are threatened, we become so anxious. Or when, it's, when they're taken away from us, we're at a total loss. How, I can't possibly do without whatever, whatever it is. I can't possibly do without that. And so when it's threatened or when it's taken away, I'm at a loss. Or when, when you can't have them, you're, you're not just angry, you're really angry. Because these things are so important to us. What is it that you, we get so stressed about? And when it's, it's not how you want it. Why is it we get so stressed about some things? Just all out of proportion. And, and I want to suggest it's because we've, we've, they found a place of meaning, of significance, of importance in our hearts that's not right. We react that way because we've made them gods, little case G. And, and therefore, that makes us slaves to them. They are, they're our spiritual masters, right? Our hearts, we're, we're made to worship. I've, I've preached this before. We're made to, to worship. That's the way we're wired. That's the point of the, the first commandment is that if you have no other gods before me, it's it sense if you are going to have other gods. That's the way the human heart is wired to search for meaning, for significance in something and, and to place our, to, to worship that thing. It might be career, it might be work, it might be status, it might be money, it might be family, it might be uh, what other people think of you, it might be self. It might be self. And you might think, well, well, yeah, well, my career is the most important thing, but, but you know what, it's working for me, it's, it's serving me. And I, but I want to tell you, that's, that's, that's not the case at all. Your work will, your, all those things, they will, they will chew you up and they, they will spit you out sooner or later. They won't give you that meaning and that significance that, that the human heart seeks. And so we, we become servants to them. They become our spiritual masters. These things, they've got us. We, we need them. We have to have them. We tell ourselves we have to have that. They've got us. Verse 16, don't you know that when you offer yourselves, and this is what we're doing in those, in those moments when we make some of those things like of ultimate importance, we're offering ourselves to them. We're giving ourselves over to them. Verse 16, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? 
And you might just say, I just have to do it. I just have to, to absolutely throw myself in with my, with my career at this stage in life or, or, or I absolutely have to just earn this much money or, or do this. And folks, this is slavery language. This is the language of slaves. Yeah, there are masters. I absolutely have to do it. There's no other option. It's the language of slaves. So my first point is we need to understand that we are slaves. We think we're free, but we're not. We're slaves. And you might say, well, that, that makes me need to, to reevaluate everything. That's the point. That's what, that's, what, that's what Paul's calling us to here, to reevaluate everything. But there is hope. Back to, back to verse 3. Paul is saying uh, that in the same way we were, were, that, uh, that sin entered the world through Adam and that, that, that so that the same way we died with Christ on the cross. Sin died with Christ at the cross. Because we were baptised with Christ, it's as though we were, in verse 4, buried with him. It's very final, isn't it? Buried with somebody. With somebody. Totally final. Buried with him. Verse 6, our old self was crucified with him. So our, our old humanity was crucified with Christ on the cross, that in verse 4, we too might live a new life. Not an old life, not a modified life, not a slightly different life, a new one. He goes on to say in verse 5, For if we have been united with Christ in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Not possibly united with him, not united with him if we do X, Y, and Z, certainly united with him. That's the truth, that we are now, as, as believers, as followers of, of Jesus, we are now united with Christ because of what he did at the cross. Our status is based on Jesus' record, not on our own. We're, um, getting, in, we're getting going away for a couple of weeks, so if you, don't, if you don't see us here for the next few weeks, we've not left. We're just going on our, our early summer holiday. And um, this year, actually, we're flying from, flying from Norwich, uh, but previous years, we've flown, uh, gone, flown, flown BA down from Heathrow, and um, the, the whole family. And I, I fly a bit for work, and uh, so I'm able to, to sort of, you know, you build up these points, right? You build up the points, and you, you uh, therefore, you know, points mean prizes. And so when you, get to, when you get to the airport, you get to kind of, you know, go into the, uh, the business, you know, skip all the queues, go into the business class, check in, and into the lounge... And, um, and so I've got, got my card, and uh, we're just flying economy, but I've got my card, and, and bring, the, bring the family through. And they're coming through because of my status, yeah? They've earned, you know, the, the kids, Natalie, they fly like once a year, uh, this is it. And, and they've got, in the eyes of the airline, they've got no status whatsoever, right? They're just like, uh, you know, just kind of, oh, you know, welcome aboard, but... Uh, because they're with me, and I'm kind of a regular flyer, it's kind of, oh, come in, have, have some champagne. You know, not to the kids. Uh, you know, um, come, come, and, come and play in the uh, children's area, and, and so on. Um, and folks, this is what it is in the legal sense of us with Christ. Our status is now the status that Christ earned on the cross on our behalf. It's not the status that of our own. We get to receive what Christ has earned on our behalf. His righteousness is not our own. His past, not our own. The way the father delights over his son is the way he now delights over you and me. Yeah? Parents, you know, if, you've, you know, if, a, ch- if you, a child kind of runs towards you for an embrace and there's that moment, you know, a, a happy embrace, not a, 
a tearful embrace, you know. But there's that moment in your heart, it's kind of, it's a, it's a wonderful kind of overflowing of your heart. Oh, this is wonderful. That's the way the, 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 your heavenly Father feels towards you now because of what Jesus did. Not because of any sort of uh, quality of your own, but because you have the righteousness of his beloved Son, Christ. So if we know and follow him, we have a new identity. We are now united with him. And this is true for all believers, all believers, all followers of Jesus. We have a new identity. We have the Holy Spirit in us and with us, changing us to be more like Jesus. Hence, in verse 2, Paul writes, of course you can't go on sinning because you're not the same person. You're not the same person anymore. There's a story of uh, Augustine who uh, had quite a, a very promiscuous lifestyle uh, before he was a, um, a believer. Uh, and um, there's a story, I don't know if it's true, I've heard it. And uh, he was walking down the street after, he, after having come to know Jesus and this, um, I don't know, uh, girlfriend or prostitute or some, something that he'd been in, involved with in the past said, oh, oh Augustine, you know, it's me. Let's, you know, let's kind of get together. And uh, he kind of just sort of smiled and, and, and you know, no thanks and, and carried on. And, uh, and she, she thought, maybe he didn't recognize me. Maybe, maybe he thought I was somebody else. And so she kind of ran back and said, look, Augustine, it's me. And he smiled, turned to her and smiled and said, yeah, I know, but it's not me. Having, having met Jesus, he was no longer the same person. He was no longer the same person before meeting Jesus that he was afterwards. So we were once slaves to sin, but now we live in the position of being forgiven, free. And when God looks at us, his heart overflows with affection and delight for us because of that is how he feels about his son, Jesus. My third and final point, we're now to live each day in light of that. We're now to live each day in light of of our union with Christ. Verse 11, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. That word counts, you could say remind. In the same way, remind yourselves that you are dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Why? Because most of the time, we're far too busy living like slaves. We're far too busy living as though we're, we're still slaves to, to, to sin, slaves to, to career, work, family. These things aren't necessarily bad, but they're bad when they become ultimate things in our lives and, and they become lowercase g gods. They're bad in that sense. And, and folks, we're, we're far too busy living like slaves. Our position before God that I just described is true for all of us. It's the free gift of grace, but will we live in light of it? Will we live in light of the fact we're no longer slaves to those things? Those things are good and important. You know, career, family, I'm not saying they're, they're insignificant or they're unimportant and they're, or anything like that. Yes, they're important, but in their proper place. Not, not in place of meaning, significance, centre of our hearts. Has anyone seen the film uh, Shawshank Redemption? Okay, so, oh, okay, great. Makes it so much easier uh, than most of you have seen it. So it's a uh, film based in a, in a prison uh, oh, this must, must be based, I guess, like in the, the 60s or something like that. And there's this subplot in the film um, about a guy who is in his, uh, I don't know, must be late 70s, I'm, I'm guessing, maybe 80s, and he'd been incarcerated almost his entire life in prison. And uh, 
when he came before the parole board, he didn't want to be released. You know, he tried to, to, to make out that he was still, uh, still dangerous and a danger to uh, the public and so on because he wanted to remain inside. Um, and um, upon being released, you know, struggled to cope with the outside. Um, that's because that was all he'd really known. And uh, when he, after being released, he wrote a letter back to his, uh, his friends, his fellow inmates. And it says this. I won't do the accent. Dear fellas, I can't believe how fast things move on the outside. I saw an automobile once when I was a kid, but now they're everywhere. The world went and got itself in a big damn hurry. The parole board got me into this halfway house called the Brewer and a job bagging groceries at the foodway. It's hard work and I try to keep up, but my hands hurt most of the time. I don't think the store manager likes me very much. I have trouble sleeping at night. I have bad dreams like I'm falling. I wake up scared. Sometimes it takes me a while to remember where I am. Maybe I should get me a gun and rob the foodway so they'd send me home. I could shoot the manager while I was at it, sort of like a bonus. I guess I'm too old for that sort of nonsense anymore. I don't like it here. I'm tired of being afraid all the time. I've decided not to stay. I doubt they'll kick up any fuss. That, draw your attention just to that uh, sentence. Rob the foodway so they'd send me home. He'd been a prisoner all his life, uh, and, uh, and yet it seemed more like home than life on the outside, than, than freedom in the outside world, because that is all he'd known. It was the same in the, in the Old Testament, where uh, the Israelites kind of freed from, from Egypt, you know, and, uh, and they were oh so quick when, when things happened to say, oh, let's, let's just go back to slavery in Egypt. Oh, it was so much better there. It was what they'd known, Yeah. Their status had changed. This man was free from prison, completely free, paid his uh, sentence, completely free. The Israelites, free from Egypt, completely free. Their status had changed, but they didn't know who they were. They, they didn't comprehend the meaning of that freedom. Are we going to be slaves to career popularity, self, money, status, those things, they're not, as I said, they're not, not necessarily bad and of themselves, but, but they don't lead to life. We become slaves to them. This whole chapter, it's not about what, what, what we're to do. It's about what Jesus has already done on our behalf. It's about what Jesus has done on our behalf. This free gift, this legal status that we have before God because of it, that when he sees us, his heart leaps for joy. When he sees you, his heart leaps for joy. Not because of anything, any, any quality that you have done or anything that you have done to earn that, but because of what Jesus did on the cross on your behalf. And Paul's point now is, are you going to live each day in light of that truth? Or are you going to live as a slave to sin? Paul's point is that we have all the resources we need to change. We have all the resources we need to change. There is a new power at work in us, the power of the Holy Spirit in us at work, changing us. Are we going to live in light of our union with Christ, which requires us to remind ourselves daily of this new identity, that we're no longer slaves to sin? We're no longer slaves. We, 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 we... we're slaves to righteousness, which, is, which leads to true freedom. True freedom in Christ. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I have union with Christ.
folks, let, let us not be those that, that settle for slavery to uh, career, money, what other people think. Those thing, none of those things are going to die for you. Yeah, none of those things will die for you. Your bank balance won't, your career won't, your status, none of those things will die for you. They'll just chew you up and, you know, that'll be it. But Jesus loved you so much that he died for you. You know, with those things, you have to perform, like work, career, money, and so on. You have to perform, don't you? You have to perform in order to, to receive. Yeah? If you don't perform at work, you're out. Yeah? Jesus died. You know, that we might receive, not achieve, the free gift of grace. Let us not settle for, uh, for, for, for being slaves to those things. Jesus gave himself up for us. So let's give ourselves to him.